It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Thank you all for joining me, and welcome to Paranormal Mysteries. I'm your host, Nick Ryan. On today's episode, we'll be once again listening in on the Citizen Hearing, as they discuss UFOs and South American encounters. But of course, before we start, I'd like to thank everyone for their support and generosity. And for anyone else who would like to support the show, you can do so by sharing and reviewing the podcast, as well as visiting us at patreon.com slash paranormalmysteries, or at buymeacoffee.com slash paranormal. And if you have a paranormal story to tell, you can contact me by email at paranormalmysteriespodcast at gmail.com, through voice message at speakpipe.com slash paranormalmysteries, or on our website at paranormalmysteriespodcast.com. And remember that all of our links can be found in the show notes. Now before we start, I just want to say that I completely understand that the Citizen Hearing episodes may not be everyone's favorite. They're not creepy, and at times are even fairly dry. But as I've said before, my goal is not only to entertain, but also inform. And for that reason, the Citizen Hearing is extremely important. So, let's listen in on part one of UFOs and South American Encounters. Meeting is called to order. Have we done the swearing-in yet? We have not. Okay, do you want to do the swearing-in? I do. Thank you. And repeat after me. And feel free to say this in your native language. I do hereby affirm that I will tell the truth and nothing but the truth to this committee today. Thank you so much. Gracias. We have heard from a number of people this week uh, that this phenomena has gone on, and it will be interesting to hear what you have to say from uh, a variety of countries in South America. and. I'm anxious to hear what all of you have to say. This is, this is one of those hearings that I think our witnesses have all been absolutely fantastic. Uh, they have been ex-military. They have been people that have actually seen 
what's happened, they have studied it, they have done research, and today we are very fortunate to have you here uh, at this hearing and appreciate your coming and uh, am anxious to hear what you have to say. So I am not going to spend a lot of time talking because I want to hear what you have to say. So welcome. And we will start out with, and if I don't say your name correctly, you'll tell it to me, please. <laughs> Is it Javard? Yes, Mr. Javard from Brazil. Thank you very much. Uh, I would like uh, to begin with by thanking all of you members of the Congress who has given your time and your effort, your attention to the subject. Uh, we are all really anxious to see the results of this. I think it's a major step that has been done here in Washington. This is history in making, and I'm very glad to be part of it along with my fellow uh, researcher friends from South America. And we are here from several countries in South America. I have on my side Chile, Uruguay, Peru, and Argentina. All of we are willing to invite you to dive into South American UFO research. But before I go on, I would like to ask permission to you, gentlemen and ladies, to introduce my fellow research and friend from Brazil, who is a businessman and is also a former congressman for the Brazilian Congress, who is much, much likely to be again after July, as he is the next one. And this gentleman has given us in Brazil a strong support to development of the Brazilian ufology in several projects. Now, he has some views that he would like to share with us with you, and I would like to ask permission to introduce Mr. Wilson Pickler. I am absolutely delighted he's here. Uh, I understand from our short conversation that your, how your legislative wor process works and how ours works is quite different, but uh, we may learn some lessons from you in the process. So welcome. Okay. Uh, Madam Chairperson, members of committee, ladies and gentlemen, it's a great pleasure to speak in this conference. And I would like to congratulate the representatives of the American Congress for this important conference that will be remembered for the mankind forever. This is a beginning of a process of disclosure of the most important event for mankind lately. We wish for long to have contact with space people, and this fact has been hiding for the government for long. Why the government decided to hide it from the people? Such an important fact, because we have heard here in this conference from the militaries, retired militaries, that these beings, extraterrestrial beings, have such a capability of interfering in the nuclear weapon systems, even activating and deactivating these weapons. This explains why governments hide these from the people, because it changed the balance of power in the entire world. And 
they are doing a campaign to take out the credibility of this phenomena. And those people that are working here for many years, working hard with difficultness, is passing through humiliations. Is it humiliation? That's it. Yeah. Because they say they do not exist, UFO do not exist. In fact, what we have heard here, they exist, they are here to save us against the insanity of our leaders because the powerful of these nuclear weapons can destroy the whole planet. I have hidden yesterday to prepare this speech the power of the last detonation, which was by Russians. It is 3,333 times the power of Hiroshima bomb. So, do you know the name the Russians put in that artifact? Translated to English, it is, we will show you. It could be called, must be called, we hope we never use it. So, just looking at the name of this artifact, like Hiroshima bomb, little boy, the other one, fat man, we can see what is the mentality of those people that are behind these weapons? And we declare by the ufologist community and also those ones that do not do research but has in their heart, in their mind, a great wish to establish a friendship relationship with extraterrestrials. So what is happening here is really quite important for mankind. Congratulate for everybody that is organizing, taking part of this conference. Congratulations for the representatives of the American Congress. We are working towards the interest of the people of the earth and not the interest of few persons in the world that decide things for us, as it was already have been told in here in this conference. And I would like to finish my speech. Thanks for the great architect of the universe to send these motherships to save us against our insanity. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. And again, thank, thank all of you for traveling a great distance to be here. I thought I traveled a long way just because I came across the United States, but thank you. We're going to start out with Mr. Javard. Thank you. Thank you, Madam. Thank you, Professor Wilson Pickler. I must add that as when he gets back as a congressman and you were in Brazilian Congress, he wants to do something like this inside the house inside the Brazilian Congress as an official part of its agenda. Now, what you will see this morning with my friends and mine testimonies is, is a, a slightly different type of ufology, of UFO research. You will see that our continent, the South America, is by far the continent that has most numbered agencies to officially investigate the UFO phenomena has now or have had in the past several entities, bodies inside 
the armed forces of several countries to investigate the UFO phenomenon. Right now, as we speak, there is a very active organization investigating UFOs in Uruguay that has been on for 20 some years, and in Chile that has been on since 1997 and on. Brazil has had many, Ecuador has had, Peru has had, Argentina already has. So in South America, there is a different view uh, towards this phenomenon. And I will speak especially about Brazil, my country, and uh, presenting myself before I go on. I would like to say that I've, I'm 51 years old and I have been devoting my life to this phenomenon since I was a kid. It is at least for 35 years that I'm dedicating myself to the investigation of this phenomenon. I run, I'm, I'm the editor of a magazine that is one of the longest living magazines about UFOs in the world. It's 30 years in existence. And I have specialized lately in finding out and interviewing ref, uh, retired personnel from the armed forces, mostly from Air Force, but also from Navy and from Army, to interview them, to extract from them information of how Brazil has dealt officially with the UFO phenomena in the last 50 or six years. Now, I'll begin by saying that just two weeks ago, this time, we had a meeting between Brazilian civilian UFO researchers six of us of the Brazilian Committee of UFO Researchers with members of the armed forces, 10 personnel from Army, Air Force, and Navy at the Ministry of Defense of Brazil. That was a meeting, a historical meeting that was called. We were invited by the Ministry of Defense of one of the largest countries in the world to deal with the UFO phenomenon. I would like to show you some pictures, please, Jennifer of this meeting that took place on April 18th. This is our federal capital. This is Brasilia. It's a modern capital. Please, the next one. We were received by, by officers of the Ministry of Defense of Brazil in the building of the Ministry of Defense where we could meet not only this official but also members of the Brazilian Air Force, Army, and Navy, as I showed you. Again, you now got another picture, please. There you can see this meeting that was being conducted by the secretary of the, of the minister, Ambassador Celso Amorim. Next, please. This is uh, the Brazilian Committee of UFO Researchers members, my fellow research colleagues in Brazil. Next, please. Next, please. Thank you. Okay. Now, it was given to us at this time a promise that we, the civilian UFO researchers, will have a clear, unobstructed channel of communication with our armed forces through the Ministry of Defense because they are subordinated to the Ministry of Defense. And it was also granted to us the promise that more paper, papers and documents will be disclosed in the near future. And we're talking about June, maybe July, that some hundred new pages of UFO documents will be released. Now, 
For those of you who don't have the details of it, let me tell you that Brazil has been involved officially in the investigation of the UFO phenomena for decades. Actually, it was one of the first countries in the world to officially admit that we are being visited by extraterrestrial powers, extraterrestrial civilization. It took place in 1954 in Rio de Janeiro when it was assembled, one, uh, one gathering among military, top-ranking military from the Brazilian Air Force and members of the press and the society. And it was declared that the UFO phenomenon is very serious, worth of scrutiny, and has to be fully investigated. That was in 1954. And from that moment on, Brazil has been involved in, with, in several projects, have held several projects, mainly from the Brazilian Air Force to investigate it. We had in 1969 a, a, a body that was created inside the Brazilian Air Force to investigate the subject, and it was called System of Investigation of Aerial Phenomena, uh, Aerial Unidentified Phenomena, CONI. It was spread all over the country using all the installations of the Brazilian Air Force, and it, it conducted dozens of investigations all over, including of sightings of UFOs, chasing of, of aircrafts, landing of UFOs, including with extraterrestrial entities, extraterrestrial biological entities outside the crafts. It was all documented in an official way by the Brazilian Air Force from 1969 to 1972. Now, uh, a decade later, uh, or two decades later, a decade later in 1977, we have had another very important program to investigate this phenomena in the Amazon, and in a particular area in the Amazon where the UFO phenomenon was being uh, observed by the, the, the inhabitants, especially of an island called Colaris. The situation was so intense, the UFOs was being observed all over that island and in, in the large portions of the Amazon region that the Brazilian Air Force put together a committee of members to investigate the phenomenon officially, and it was called Operation Saucer. Operation Saucer lasted from September 1977 to December 1977. It interviewed hundreds of people that were in contact with this phenomenon. But more than that, it was the purpose of the Operation Saucer. First, to talk to the witnesses to see what are their, their reports. Second, to try to document the presence of this phenomenon. And over 500 pictures of UFO were produced, along with 16 hours of video, actually of footage, uh, and film, eight millimeters and 16 millimeters, military style films of UFOs in the Amazon, sometimes at close range. And the third objective of the Operation Saucer, and this is official from the Brazilian Air Force, was try to establish contacts with intelligences beyond this phenomenon. This is all very intense. 2,000 pages have been produced by three dozen men who took part in this operation. I was the one chosen by the commander of this operation 20 years after it was ended to interview him and he gave me with a huge amount of details what went on in that period.
period of time. Since then, I have been chasing the information about the Operation Saucer and UFOs in Amazon forever and everywhere I could find. And I'm glad to bring, and I would like to get introduced to the, this proceeding results, 440 pages, which is 20% of what is, uh, there is of U official UFO documents from the Brazilian Air Force that register, including with photos, maps, radar detects, croquis, designs, all sorts of information related to the UFOs in the Amazon, and lots of this procedure were followed by American military in the Amazon. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I, th I think we're going to just go down the line and have everyone testify and then come back for questions, if that's all right. Uh, welcome. And I'm probably going to butcher your last name, but Antonio uh, Hun... Huneus. Huh? Huneus. Huneus. Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, welcome well. to the committee. Thank you. Good morning, uh, distinguished members of the panel. Uh, I already introduced myself on Monday yes, uh, about I know. a little bit my biography, so this time I will keep it, I will skip that part. Uh, I'm representing Chile, even though I'm not officially part of member of that uh, committee. Uh, but I know, the, as you know, I'm a Chilean-American, and I know the, the history of the Chilean official agency very well. So I will uh, read now from my prepared statement. Uh, in recent years, Chile has become one of the world's leading nations in the official study and recognition of the UFO phenomenon. UFO agencies or departments have been traditionally uh, been under the Air Force in most countries. In France, as we shall see in the next session, the effort is under the Space Agency. But Chile has taken a novel approach which makes logical sense. Its committee, known as CFAA, which in, uh, is a translation of for Committee for the Study of Anomalous Aerial Phenomena, is under the Civil Aviation Agency, DGAC. In other words, it's like if the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, had a UFO department. Uh, Chile's aviation agents, uh, civil aviation agencies all over the world uh, that deal with aircraft safety and navigation and UFOs, though not regulated by human governmental agencies, are primarily flying in the air and could pose a threat to aviation safety. Chile has a rich history of UFO cases, some of them highly strange like an incident involving a group of seven soldiers and a corporal near Putre in Chile's northern Atacama region, near the border with Peru in 1977, the so-called time warp case of Corporal Valdez, which became the subject of my very first UFO article uh, back in 1977. In the 1980s, Gustavo Rodriguez, an air traffic controller, began to collect cases involving pilots who would call the control tower asking if there was any traffic that could explain lights or objects they were seeing during the course of their flights. Uh, there were also incidents involving the scramble of military jets, a situation common to many countries of the world. In the mid-90s, Rodriguez received the support of General Ramon Vega, a former commander-in-chief of the Chilean Air Force and later a senator. 
I had the opportunity of meeting both Gustavo Rodriguez and General Vega during several trips to Santiago in the 1990s. I gave the general, in fact, a copy of the Lawrence Rockefeller-sponsored UFO briefing document, which I had co-authored, and which perhaps played a small role in marshalling the evidence for the creation of CFAA in 1997. During its first months, however, CFAA seemed rudderless until Air Force General, retired, Ricardo Bermudez was named director. General Bermudez was the director of the Technical School of Aeronautics, which trains air traffic controllers. And it was at this school, which I visited many times, where the commission was housed for a number of years. CFA's mission is to, quote, record and analyze all relevant reports concerning UAP, unidentified aerial phenomena occurring within the national territory on the basis of a serious objective and scientific analysis with the purpose of determining any possible risk to air operations. In 2002, CFAA became essentially inactive for a number of years. But in December of 2009, the DGIC, the Civil Aviation Agency, announced that CFAA was being reactivated. And once again, General Bermudez was brought back to direct it and Gustavo Rodriguez to serve as secretary. The committee's headquarters was moved to a new location at the National Aeronautics and Space Museum near the old airport of Los Cerrillos in Santiago. One of the first things they did was to launch an official website, and I have the uh, URL address here, which is by far the best of all the South American official agencies, uh, the website, I mean. It contains several UFO aircraft incidents with audio recordings of pilot-controlled tower communications, videos, documents, articles, and other data. CFAA has an external committee of advisors, which includes eight top scientists from the Chilean Commission of Nuclear Energy, Aerospace Medicine at Santiago University, astronomers from the Metropolitan and Catholic Universities, a plasma physicist from Santiago University, a geographer and expert on satellite imagery from Chile State University, and two psychologists. There is also a CFAA internal committee, which includes experts on operation safety, air control center, meteorology, air accidents investigations, aerospace engineering, and audiovisual. They also have representatives from each branch of the armed forces and the police. On August 11, 2008, the Chilean government passed law 20,285, known as Transparency Law. In some respects, it works similarly to our Freedom of Information Act. Government agencies have 20 days to respond to queries from the public regarding public records. But in some respects, it goes beyond the FOIA. With the exception of matters dealing with national security and foreign relations, the transparency law was designed so government agencies can act in an open and transparent manner, even in cases where they receive no queries from the public. CFAA has fully complied with the requirements of the transparency law. And as explained by General Bermudez, quote, this is the way we deal with the phenomena, openly and freely. CFAA has documented many UFO cases involving commercial and military pilots. One of the more interesting ones, known as the Pelican case, occurred on June 24, 2010, and it involved three different aircraft, 
two airliners, and a Navy plane called Pelican. As put by General Bermudez at a lecture he gave at the International UFO Congress in Fountain Hills, Arizona in 2012, quote, three airplanes witness the same phenomenon. Two commercial planes are approaching Santiago. The military plane is coming 300 miles from the north, and an object is cruising his airway. The pilot reports something he sees camouflaged in erratic motion. In the audio communication, one can hear the pilot saying, Roger, at this moment, I can't see it anymore. I could see a traffic loud and clear. It looked like a cloud, camouflaged as a, cow, as a cloud, but with erratic motion, end quote. This case, as well as another one in Punta Arenas, detected by primary radar in 2011, is important because you have different professional pilots reporting the same object as explained by General Bermudez, quote, think for a moment, if one experienced commercial pilot reports to me that something flew across in front of his airplane, I pay careful attention. But now, if a second commercial pilot reports the same a few seconds later, I become interested. <laughs> but if a third pilot, a military one, confirms the same fact, I tend to believe it. In this case, do we have one UFO close to the airplanes, or do or we have two UFOs? If we have one, its incredible speed doesn't correspond to anything we have now. 300 miles, you know, like in, in a couple of minutes. Uh, during the same lecture at the International UFO Congress, General Bermudez released a multiple video case taken at the El Bosque base in Santiago where the Air Force Academy is located, which made world headlines. This was because several videos were taken during an important ceremony for the change of the commander of the Chilean Air Force on November 4, 2010, attended by the president, all the commanders of the armed forces and top brass, the minister of defense and other cabinet members, the diplomatic corps, and many other important officials, including General Bermudez himself. The ceremony is popular with the public and widely photographed and filmed because it includes the air parade by all the different squadrons of the Chilean Air Force. It must be clarified, however, that none of the dignitaries or public saw the UFOs at the time. These were discovered later as people began to review the footage they had taken. I'm enclosing an interview I did with General Bermudez published in Open Minds Magazine, issue 16, October, November 2012, where he explains the methodology of CFAA, as well as many of their best UFO cases, including the multiple footage case of El Bosque. Chile has shown that a serious and open official investigation of UFOs can be conducted in a serious and scientific manner. Some of the ingredients include cooperation among different government agencies, scientific and academic institutions, and even the civilian UFO community. Official and private investigators can and should cooperate instead of fighting with each other. The same model has taken place in other South American countries, like Uruguay, Brazil, Argentina, Peru, and Ecuador. Another key component is to establish official cooperation among different countries since UFOs don't seem to care about national boundaries and are reported widely all over the world. For this reason, CFAA 
and CRIDOVNI, the official UFO agency run by the Uruguayan Air Force since 1978, signed an official agreement of cooperation and exchange of data in 2012. And we have with, here with us Colonel Sanchez, who was in fact the person that signed that agreement with General Bermudez. Uh, the United States likes to think that it's always ahead in all areas of society. But I'm afraid that this is not the case in the field of ufology. Other countries are moving ahead with an open and transparent investigation of this phenomenon. The unknown nature of the phenomenon itself and the likelihood that it originates not on this earth requires a change of attitude and a level of openness that seems to be amiss in this country. Let me finish with a quote from my interview with General Bermudez. Now I'm quoting him. The official conclusion is that the anomalous aerial phenomenon known as unidentified flying objects is real and is present within the controlled airspace and outside the controlled airspace. It is also present in the sea. We have some reports from our Navy in that respect. It is present everywhere and therefore it is necessary to share the information in order to have more background and be able to study it more scientifically so that we can give real information to the people and not rely on what is shown in TV and in the sensationalist media. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Colonel Ariel Sanchez, and I think we might need our microphones on. Welcome. Thank you. Go ahead. Señoras Ladies and gentlemen, I am uh, Ariel Sanchez Ruiz. I'm a retired Uruguay colonel of the Armed Forces, and I belong to the reception and announces in Uruguay of uh, UFOs uh, that works together with the official Uruguay Air Force that takes care of all the citizens reports of non-identified objects. I was a technical director and I have been 23 years researching this subject. I have retired from the Air Forces about nine months, but I also worked as a specializing on a air transit or the specialization of air transit, and a professor of the School of Estado Mayor. I'm also a director of the Center for Exploration of uh, Non-Civil Research of the UFO OVNI locally. Uruguay, in these groups of investigation, has about uh, 1,300 of cases that have been investigated. Uh, for a long uh, 30 years with the 3% of these cases that have non-conventional characteristics. Uruguay is a small country with only 3,250,000 inhabitants in a, a land of 176,215 square feet. 
his principal industry of Uruguay is uh, cattle and raising and agriculture. In 1979 was created an office for the citizens reporting of unidentified objects. Most reiterated based on the 1970s, but the first registers started up in 1942. The Air Force is in charge of the safety of the country's air and the safety of the populace and also the passengers and air airplanes. It takes care of all the denounces from all the media reports about what people has been uh, notifying of UFOs. Never in these 33 years of activity, the Uruguay Commando of the Air Force has given any information of the diffusion or stop the reporting of all this information. Uh, through this commission, we are not rejecting or hiding or changing the situations that have been lived or experienced by the citizens that are reporting. It's only just taking the reports of the citizens. It's only just to make uh, scientific studies about this phenomena that has been also the Air Force has been uh, researching. A lot of interviews have been done with all these people that were interested in this subject and reporters with the spirit of uh, research and uh, non-bias that could uh, come together to work as a group to maximize all these uh, research. In 7 of August in 1979, three officers were ne uh, nominated for all this recopilation and analysis, and 20 civil researchers were also called into the help. LACRIOVNI is an organization that is a governmental institute, but it works as a public office for military and civil reports. The Uruguay uh, Regional Research Civil Group, that is non-governmental, has the object to compile all the South American groups that are reporting about these UFO views and compile all the details into a bank of information, the results of this idea. In, 19, in 2012, two forces joined Chile have been doing a, the first cooperation exchange with the international press with all this research. Lacridomi would like to uh, use the same type of 
elements to review and incorporate all the research on these reports. After a few different trials, we adapted all this research as a commission with a president and a vice president and a secretary and an operative direction and technical and also to achieve any statistics. This commission was created to analyze all the cases before it was created and all the new cases that were coming up and being reported. Some problems were also faced to find conclusions that will be valid to apply to other research. The first problem was how can we investigate. The second problem was how to evaluate something that we don't know what it is. So the decision was to opt a discussion that was open without prejudice or bias to explore the phenomena, to analyze all the studies that will be able to compile all the reports and all the events. First, we started to study the UFOs first and the non-identified objects and anything that relates with it, like the territory, the people, any effects, any objects, animals, or anything that could be in relation to these UFOs and all the revelations that people had been reporting, whether it was spiritual or mystic, we found out that it was a phenomena that could uh, absorb different opinions and different phenomena together into one. Why was this occurring, this phenomena was absolutely unknown that was presented and causing a lot of difficulties to study. Having the spirit of curiosity and investigation to adjust our studies into the scientific responsibility and a methodology of research to be adequated for this research and evaluation to qualification of the systems. Two pillars were the basis, the recollection of the information collected and the study of the comparative events in the phenomena. The questions asked where we have people that will interrogate all the details and make conclusions, what possibilities it is that the testimony is not true, and the third people that would have seen the events, what is the possibility to be a psychological illusion the questions were negative or partial, or there was any doubt that was reasonable to corroborate with the scientific research. What is the possibility that this phenomena is not conventional? We don't know what it is, but we can't also identify the methodology 
had a possibility of percentage that we don't know what it is and cannot identify. We cannot tell what it is, and we cannot identify with anything known or conventional. Finally, to evaluate all this information, we have a system that will uh, give us the opportunity to uh, corroborate the vericity and filter all the details that we can submit to work together with international groups to work together. And our model of organization, I would like to offer our methodology of working to create an office to study this subject and we can submit on the United Nations so we can, together with the rest of the world, lift the veil and find out the exact details of what this phenomena is. Thanks. Thank you. Before we continue, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yes, Anthony Choi from Peru. Welcome. Muchas gracias. Señor Presidente del Panel y Representantes del Congreso de los Estados Unidos. I'm greeting you, ladies and gentlemen, to addressing the panel. Very good morning. My name is Anthony Choi. I'm going to read my declaration. I am a lawyer and a media reported for investigation. I am the main investigator of the non-identified objects, and I have uh, attended the Aerial War School of Peru and Space for Peru. This, uh, I am the main investigator for the official UFO research of Peru, founded on 1st of November on 1971. I have been investigating for 13 years this uh, phenomena in Peru, and I have also a radio program in Peru, which is one of the most important in Pan America. I would like to go, please, to image number one, please. Around 7 p.m. on 13th of October 2001, in the skies of this city, there is a city where there is a strange light. This is the north of Peru with the frontier with Ecuador. We're going to see the image number two. Eight light spheres appear. And then on the right side, upper, you'll see uh, intense lights. Color is orange, and dozens of witnesses have observed this. And they, these lights have been for two and a half hours, absolutely in silence and forming figures that were geometric alignments. So somehow they were giving a light show for all the witnesses and then suddenly disappeared. 25th of October, 
another luminous object about 25 meters of diameter. We can see one of the witnesses pointing to it. Side number six, please. So appears happening in the sky. The city was accompanied by another spheres of light, one of which landed, quote unquote. So it landed in a nearby hillside. It, the whole view lasted 26 minutes. This is part of a video that we extracted these images from the video. That's when he landed the witnesses unanimously. They had uh, heard a greeting on their head. It was like a greeting. They heard hello. And lastly, on November 15th, another red luminous sphere descended on the same city, which after a few minutes, it disappeared. These events, we should note, were recorded on three videos, um, copies of which we are turning over to the committee so that you can look at them. They were recorded by Ivan Isa Nanfardo, who is a cameraman from that community, and I asked him for a copy so that I could begin my respective investigation. In the media, the case was called the Chulucanas incident. And the videos were turned over to the Peruvian Air Force and given to Peruvian Air Force Commander Julio Chamorro Flores, who is the chief of the Peruvian Air Force's UFO Investigation Office. He instructed me to proceed with my investigation. The investigation thus was able to document statements from from dozens of witnesses. However, they were also able to confirm in very significant events that most of which were uh, unfamiliar to people around the world. And this is something that many investigators need to know. South America, perhaps right now, is the area where there are the largest number of sightings. It is surprising how the world, even the United States of America, are unaware of this situation. I think much of this has to do with the role of the media. And just as a matter of example, and uh, I'm going to point out a few of these cases. In 1959, during a military training flight of a squadron of four P-47 planes near the city of Chulucanas, Peruvian Air Force Captain Ernesto Arancibia Linares had an encounter with a UFO that shut down his plane's engine, kept it hovering in the air for an hour, and during which time Captain Arancibia states that he had an encounter and communication with the alleged crew members who, based on his testimony, testimony seem to be humans with Nordic features. Uh, Captain Arancibia reported this to his command, but his command never made this public. Okay, can we see slides 9 and 10? This is retired Captain Arancibia right now, and this is an illustration that he drew, his description of this UFO that he saw hovering in the air for an hour. And now we'll see our slide number 11. In 2002, during a nighttime military training flight in the area close to Morocon, very close to Chulucanas, Peruvian Air Force Captain Germán Schrock Castillo and another pilot, after receiving a report from a commercial flight and flying at an altitude of 12,000 feet, detected an unexplainable perfect circle 
de un diámetro gigantesco de causando extraños disturbios en el funcionamiento del equipo de filmación. La imagen 14, por favor. El 19 de noviembre del 2002 se realizó una reunión en el cuartel general de la Fuerza Aérea del Perú, entre miembros del alto mando y miembros de las direcciones de inteligencia y de información jefaturados por el subjefe de Estado Mayor, Mayor General de la Fuerza Aérea, César Cortés Mancilla. En esta foto podemos ver al equipo de investigación de la Oficina OVNI de la Fuerza Aérea en esa época. La siguiente imagen 15, por favor. The Colonel Jose Ratti from FAP Airspace Director of Peru, representing the Peru Air Force, the first officer official UFO case that was recognized to all media of communications, the initiative, we must recognize the courage action of Peru Air Force to dedicate time to open up this information, being the third in Latin America uh, group to report these incidents, the city of Chulucan. The archives of this report have been inexplicably stolen and are missing from FAP, the official UFO reporting agency in Peru. In regards to this uh, UFO case, peruana tuvo la importante y valiente iniciativa de abrir una oficina de investigación del fenómeno OVNI en el Perú, la tercera en Latinoamérica, como respuesta a la creciente presencia OVNI sobre el espacio aéreo peruano. Lamentablemente, la única investigación conocida de dicha oficina es el incidente Chulucanas, que ante la presión de los medios de comunicación se convirtió en la primera investigación oficial sobre un caso OVNI en ser divulgado. Luego de dicha investigación, trascendió que la DIFA sufrió los robos inexplicables de sus archivos. Si bien está considerada en el organigrama de la institución, the la archives have been missing. We're going to see image number 18, the testimony of the people seeing all these uh, events in Peru. It's uh, mostly on the Peruvian territory. In a very, very, very long history of my country, Peru. In Cusco, this is a photograph that has been taken. This is a very significant event. Peru is one of the six places that for 6,000 years that we have human inhabitation the Maya's ancestry, but exists also evidence that there is pilots, pilots that have encounters in space, that they have uh, shown a completely unknown performance in the airspace. 
se ha practicado una actitud sostenida y reiterada de silenciamiento. But they have been turned down for ejemplo, el caso Arancibe en 1980. 1980s, my colleagues and I, we commence studying these events. My presence here is to confront that uh, United States and other regions of the world are not uh, willing to uh, acknowledge this phenomenon. But this uh, requires a global response in regards to the research of this phenomena. This uh, events and these UFOs that are originating out of the earthly space and the performance of these non-identified objects and phenomena and the citizens that are reporting witnessing. We are in front of one of the most uh, important mysteries of the contemporary time. This is a simple and powerful event. The interaction with other civilizations of the world and learning about our visitors. They are influencing our society in present times. We are immersed in a process of preparation to open up all these phenomena. It's about 60 years that this phenomena has been studied in my country. But the governments are protectionists or interested in not uh, disclosing the information pertaining to this phenomena of unidentified objects. And also the reporters, they are abandoning the spirit of research instead of reporting the real truth. But in our planet, we have an obligation to comment about this and research. We comparing, we sharing with other civilizations that are of world. In the meantime, the healing of our community in regards to this. Thank you very much. And next we have Colonel Oscar Santa Maria. Welcome. Good morning. A cordial greeting and thanking the Commission and my thanks for uh, inviting me to present this information. I'm Mr. Huertas. I have been a combat pilot of Peru's Air Force and I would like to present a document to the U.S. Department of Defense. Please, uh, first image. You can see that here, this document was a 1982 document that was uh, produced by the U.S. Department of Defense. They inform me 
in the near of the La Jolla uh, at south of Peru base. There was in several opportunities a UFO reported, first in the morning time, the second time in the times of the evening of the next day. The UFO that appear in the morning, an airplane, so you code 22, try to intercept it and destroy without being lucky in the objective. It was ineffective to try to destroy this UFO. Second page is more details about this event, given the name of the base and all the details pertaining. The pilot that was driving, I was the, the pilot that was piloting this airplane, and I will be very happy to narrate and explain the events that occurred. I was the pilot in this airplane, trying to intercept the UFO. In the area base of uh, La Jolla, in the uh, department of Arequipa, in the south of Peru, 11 April 1980, in the morning, 1,800 people, civil and military, that they were part of the base, could observe at the end of the landing strip an object that looked like an aerostatic globe suspended in the air about five kilometers of distance and um, 1,500 of altitude. The system of radars did not uh, detect this uh, uh, globe approaching and this object did not uh, respond to the tower of control um, messages. This was a restrange location that was not allowed for, except for military. So we thought it was an espionage for this military base, and it could be considered a, a danger for the security of the country. So uh, the squad was ordered that one of the pilots did have to uh, go up in the air and uh, follow the object and destroy the object. The air command gave me the order to take off and uh, to shoot this uh, object before it approaches too fast to the base. So I fast approach this object and uh, this uh, airplane that I was piloting had uh, uh, military uh, weapons. I did an ascent from the right to the 1500 kilometers of height and I initiated the attack procedures where I was uh, close to the object. I threw a I threw away uh, a charge of uh, missiles, but this uh, globe never got any damages and started ascending and living in a very, very fast uh, pace. The next, please. 
During the persecution of this globe, I had a 900 kilometers per hour speed, but I couldn't reach him. Uh, when I arrived to 84 kilometers of distance from the base, this globe is stopped very quickly. I uh, had to make a very quick uh, maneuver to uh, avoid uh, confrontation. When I wasn't getting close to shooting again, uh, the distance, the object did a very fast movement and went underneath my airplane without allowing me to, uh, to shoot. In several locations, evaded my uh, location and avoided on the last minute all my uh, intent to shoot. And confronted with this situation, I took the decision to speed on a very high velocity and ascend very high to go ahead and attack in a very vertical manner. But the globe did have a, a maneuver of lifting up very, very quickly, so I wasn't able to, um, to focus to shoot. The next view. I accelerated my airplane to get to 1.6 Mach, approximately 1,850 kilometers per hour, and I began to ascend. I surpassed the position of the balloon, and I hoped to be able to be high enough to get into my attack maneuver. But I was surprised when the balloon, again, quickly ascended and was able to get alongside my plane. And therefore, I was unable to attack it. With the UFO parallel to my plane, I kept going up, hoping to be able to surpass it to be able to get into attack position, but I was unable to do so. So we got up to 19,200 meters, about 63,000 feet, as you can see here, where the balloon stopped its ascent, and I tried to again get it in my sights to be able to fire, but I, it was impossible. At that point, my low fuel light came on, saying that I had just enough fuel to get back to land. Since I could no, no longer continue my attack, I, I approached it, got to a distance of about 100 meters, and I was able to see that this balloon was not a balloon. It was about 10 meters in diameter, and on the top, it had an enameled a, a non-metallic cream-colored enamel dome, and that in its base, it had a wide silver circular metallic surface. It did not have any wings, jet propulsion, windows, antenna, anything like that. These are obviously surfaces that aircraft usually have. Pulling myself together, I went back to the air base and I reported to the control tower what I had seen. In total, there were 22 minutes of maneuvers that are clearly etched in my brain. And I am convinced that there is extraterrestrial technology and life. I will never forget what I saw that day. 
I'm, and this is a sketch of what I saw. If you could go on to the next slide. It more or less looked like this. And the two next slides, we can see. Oh, this is a photo of me with my plane. This is from 1980. Next, please. This is a Sukhoi 22. Thank you very much. That's the end of my remarks. That must have been some ride. <laughs> wow. And then we have Alejandro. Alejandro Chionetti. 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 Alejandro Chionetti. Sí, okay. representando a Argentina. Welcome. Se puede pronunciar Chionetti también. Como que. Well, it is a great honor to be here with you, members of Congress. I do not represent any official Argentinian group. I'm here, I am a news producer for the third largest Spanish channel here in the United States and have been here for many years, but despite that, I have not stopped investigating my dear country of Argentina, and I thank you for this great invitation. I am happy to be here in behalf of Argentina and other countries. So these UFO investigation projects are nothing new. In my life, as an investigative reporter and field researcher, I've investigated many cases that were investigated before and after the event by official groups or through subsequent historical reviews. From my very early childhood, I was a part of a civil in investigation group that sought cooperation with official entities, and we, these special and noble species called UFOlogists. In the 1980s, my group, the UFO Investigations Commission, or CU as it's known, which is directed by Dr. Joseph Allen Hynek, who is a, a, a recognized uh, astronomer and uh, advisor to the uh, Blue Book Project, it, it chose us as representatives of this organization as editors of its bulletin in Spanish in the International UFO Report. At that time, Hynek was seeking international exchange, and the timing was perfect. We brought him to the National Commission for Space Studies, called NIE, with the hopes to reinvigorate our efforts and help this phenomenon to be taken seriously and receive support in the investigation of recent cases like the crash that had happened in the north of Patagonia. Investigations in Argentina began with Navy projects and then later they went to the National Gendarmerie as well as the Air Force. Official projects it began to gain support in the 1960s. There was the famous case of Captain Miotti that I was able to investigate research years later in Yacanto, a province of Córdoba. There was a sighting of a conical-shaped object on a foggy morning, and it was photographed clearly, and it was analyzed by the National Aeronautic Service. They concluded that there was a dark 
part on the underside of the object was showing absorption of light or radiation. This was one of the first speculations about the possible energy aspect to UFOs. I'm not sure if we actually have a copy of this image in my PowerPoint. If it is there, we can project it. If not, we'll continue. My first contact with classified archives came through my friendship with journalist Eduardo Ascui, who was one of the first advisors to the Navy on the naval project. In the 1960s, the Navy was on alert for the apparition of submerged objects that were not detected by sonar, and they moved at high speeds. Sometimes they uh, would fly, and they were in the form of like a cigar. We called these unidentified submerged objects, or USOs. These cases uh, uh, were pursued with the support of American ships, and they helped in the research. Unfortunately, there are no uh, declassified documents on these cases. The first official group of the Navy was called COPEFO, which was the permanent commission for the study of UFOs, and it was led by now uh, late Captain Omar Pagani. Years later, in the Argentinian and Chilean bases on Antarctica, there were multiple sightings. They, uh, it was a multicolored disk that led to magnetic disturbances in the detector's radar on both bases. In 1965, personnel from the Deception Island, also in Antarctica, were able to take a single photo. Uh, this was uh, with uh, underwater volcanoes. In terms of the chronology of acknowledgement of official cases, I made a list of declassified cases. The, in, the, the 70s were a particularly busy time, but this began in the 60s. In 1962, a fighter plane squadron from the Espora base, which is outside the Buenos Aires province, detected UFOs on the landing strip, and they made an attempt to intercept them. In 1965, the same thing happened in that same area. This is an area that is a is very dry and hot, and there was a great concentration of sightings in the 60s. In 1978, there was a very interesting case in El Dique de la Florida where a, a UFO landed, and there was a humanoid who exited. There were a number of, of witnesses to this. And the next year, I met with some of the witnesses, and the police of the province provided an official communique where they talked about the prints that were found on the ground from that being. And that year, the provincial police published a document where they showed a, a giant UFO that actually had an impact on the train rails. In 1982, in Catamarca, which is a province, in a, a town that's uh, curiously called London, and that happens a lot on the Falkland Islands, but the police saw an object that had showed a, 
a deflagration that produced great destruction. The chief of police issued an official report, and a, the, there, and I was the only investigator at that time when I arrived after the event. In 1986, in Cordoba, in Cerro El Pajarillo, which is one of the communities in El Uritorco, Cruz de Eje, uh, there was a print that seemed to be the crash of a UFO. The regional authorities accepted this case as one that was strange and one that needed to be investigated. And between uh, 87 and 89, a commission it was created under the armed forces, and it was led by a great friend of mine, Julio Gosena Aguago, and it was very important in in uh, the province of Entre Rios, there was a phenomenon of UFOs that would actually have an impact on the ground. And I had the opportunity of taking video and investigate this over several years. In 2009, Argentinian investigation groups were united under a single association called Sephora, which is the Commission for the Study of UFO Phenomena in the Argentinian Republic. They have. It included scientists, investigators, and members of the military, and they sought to access in a methodological and systematic way the secret archives related to UFOs. One of the first groups that was being pushed by this commission was the support and acceptance by the Argentinian Air Force, in, which decided to create three years ago CEFA, which is the Commission on Aerospace uh, Phenomena Study. And this was under the leadership of Captain Mariano Mohapt and a few civilians. They have uh, investigation brigades like Carlos Ferguson, Carlos Urchuk, and Andrea Simondini. The second phase, uh, which continues today, is under the guise of Commodore Guillermo Alloy. The first official investigation took place in September of 2011 when a glowing ball fell from the sky and led to a lethal and tremendous explosion in Monte Grande, which is in the province of Buenos Aires. This case remains unsolved. It's alleged that it could have been a, a gas explosion, but the public and civilian investigators continue to rule that possibility out. There was great destruction, and one person was killed in the course of this incident. With respect to UFOs, this Air Force Commission has clarified that its work is not focused on probing the existence of extraterrestrial life. Rather, it is a scientific study that can lead to the truth. Sephora has continued to ask for the declassification of documentation on this case and the previous cases. In between the, there's a case in Barilote, Polanco. This was a case of the Argentinian airline where the pilot saw a UFO that attempted to land in the Barilote airport. The object is 
it went in front of the plane and took an escape route, the crew was very frightened and all radio signals and communication with the airport were cut off. At the same time, there was a general blackout in the city and a gendarmerie a plane it saw the danger of the situation at the same time. So Sephora was able to get transcripts of the communications between the aircraft and the tower. However, it has not been able to obtain the documentation prepared by the gendarmerie. Although they have recently begun to declassify cases like the case of Campo de Mayo in the province of Buenos Aires from November 1972. At this time, an object in the shape of a half moon, which had a light of a smaller size underneath, began to make emergency maneuvers. So Sephora is currently in talks with different ministries for UFO declassification. One is the Ministry of Defense, under which the Air Force and the Navy fall. The other is the Ministry of Security, which includes the National Gendarmerie and the Prefecture. Sephora has brought together more than 1,000 citizen signatures for the presentation of a bill before the House of Representatives in the nation and the executive branch and the Ministry of Defense for the declassification of these documents. Obviously, this is being supported by other civilian groups. There are many, many, particularly young people who are following these investigations young people with a lot of energy and who have united behind the declassification of this. So you can see it, it is, Argentina is part of La South America. We've had some very interesting cases that have been striking internationally. Many investigators, as I noted before, Jaime and some of the other international investigators, we believe that some of these cases, these rich cases that are very strange but are reliable, there have been reliable sightings, could bring new elements to the fore. I remember Dr. Heinick always told me that perhaps we'll never know uh, about uh, this phenomenon fully in our lifetimes, but it's worth the sacrifice and energy we are investing in our investigations. Our work, our task is to compile information so that scientists in the future may be able to shed some light on this phenomenon. And in conclusion, uh, with regard to official investigations, over the last 40 years, military entities have studied UFOs with scientific care to separate misinterpretation, natural misinterpretation, and the difference between science and nature, things that cannot be explained. The position of these agencies has not changed much since the 1960s up till now. And I am a living witness to this. I have spent the past 36 years investigating uh, these UFO phenomena, not just in Argentina, but in Latin America and the world as a whole. But we continue to believe that our elegant universe 
it, it it warrants the benefit of the doubt that this phenomena may or may not be extraterrestrial, but we still need more proof. Reading between the lines, we know that many of these official organizations, they, they don't say it or, or write it, but they believe that the phenomenon could, in fact, be extraterrestrial. The Argentinian Armed Forces and their scientific commissions have never openly declared that the phenomenon might be extraterrestrial, but rather they, they uh, let people read between the lines. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, uh, and I want to thank all of you. We're going to take a short break, and then we will come back and have questions. So um, what do you think, 15 minutes? 15 minutes, so if we can be back at a quarter to 11, that would be perfect. Thank you. I hope you all enjoyed this edition of The Hearing, and if you'd like to learn more about the Citizen Hearing on UFO Disclosure, you can find their details in the show notes. And if you've witnessed something paranormal, I'd like to hear your story. You can contact me through email, voice message, or on our website, and these links can be found in the show notes. Until next time, I hope you all have a safe and healthy rest of the week, and we'll see you back here on Friday as we uncover even more experiences involving paranormal mysteries. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.